Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Services in a row. We'll get it. We'll get it ready for Resurrection Sunday. Turn with me to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. We're gathered here tonight because almost two thousand years ago, a Jewish craftsman, born in a backwater village on the other side of the world was executed by the Roman Empire on a cruel, old, rugged cross. You know, I don't like to talk about blood. My wife will tell you. My wife, a nurse practitioner, former RN, has come home many times with stories. You would not believe what I did tonight. You would not believe what I saw, and I'd say, honey, please. Let me sit down. I'm going white just thinking about it. I don't like to talk about blood. I don't even want to think about seeing blood, but I don't mind the blood of Jesus. I can talk about the blood of Jesus. It doesn't make me queasy. It doesn't make me weak in the knees. How crazy is that? We serve an awesome God who despite His power is so humble that he came as a simple craftsman, laid in a feeding trough at his birth. What a foolish sounding story. And you know, that's tragically how many people hear that story. As a foolish story about a man who they may not even believe really existed, or maybe they think he was a good moral teacher, but they think that it's crazy that we sing songs about his blood and his death. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. It's foolishness to them. You may have family members, I'm sure you have friends, neighbors, and you don't understand why they cannot receive what is so obvious, the message to them because of sin, because of the enemy, the God of this age who has blinded their minds, 2 Corinthians 4.4. It's foolishness when they hear what to us, as Paul says, is the very power of God. We're here tonight to celebrate the very power of God. I want to spend a few moments tonight from Romans chapter 5 talking about Christ, death, our life. And I want to show you five truths about Christ's death 
and our new life that every believer must remember and that every non-believer must receive if they want to have any hope. Because if you have not embraced the preaching of the cross, if that's foolish to, foolishness to you, Paul says you are perishing. But if you will accept the foolishness of God and set aside the wisdom of men to those of us which are saved by grace through faith, it is the very power of God. Listen to these first nine verses and then we'll make a few quick comments on what the Apostle Paul shares here in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice Paul here is talking to Christians. Of course, the invitation is to everyone. It's to the whole world. But Paul is reminding Christians of the gospel. I am always reminded of the importance, even as a pastor, of reminding myself every day of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul wrote to Titus. Paul himself was constantly focused and wanted them to be focused so that they could preach to their churches to be focused on the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure for a good man, some even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The first truth that I want to remind you of, Christian, and the first truth that I want to introduce to you if you're not saved, is that Christ's death has purchased our peace with God. Peace with God, the Greek word irene means wholeness, literally uh, helps word studies to find this to join or to tie together into a whole. Wholeness. We have been united in peace. Peace is not just the cessation of conflict. Peace is unity in Scripture. We have unity with God through the death of Jesus Christ. Friend, if you are here tonight thinking that God is somehow going to be impressed with you showing up on a Friday night and observing some kind of religious ritual so that you can make peace with God, you are not going to receive peace with God. There is only one way, and that is to accept the peace that has already been purchased for us in Jesus Christ. Notice that this peace is for all of those who have been, Paul says, justified by faith. And let me say only for those who have been justified by faith. He's talking about recognizing 
that you are a sinner. And apart from God's intervention, you are bound for hell. Under condemnation because of your sin. That's Romans chapter 1. But that because of God's great love for us, Jesus Christ came to earth, the Son of the eternal, immortal Son of God, took on mortal flesh, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death. He lived a sinless life that, that I can't live. I've never met a sinless person. I've met a few people who think that they're beyond sin. But I've never met a sinless person. I've never met a person who wouldn't admit, at least admit, yes, I have told a lie. Yes, I have taken something that does not belong to me. Recognizing, though, the consequence of that before a holy and righteous God, that's where people stumble over the stumbling stone. And what Paul wants us to remember as Christians is, friend, you are not here because you are trying to make peace. You're not here to keep the peace. You are here because Jesus Christ has purchased our peace with God. Because there was a time in my life, and I hope that there was a time in your life when you recognized you were a sinner, but that Jesus Christ paid your sin debt, died a substitutionary death in your place, and that because he was sinless, because his sacrifice was accepted, God the Father raised him from the dead. Literally, physically, the tomb is empty, and now he extends that forgiveness that he purchased. He extends that eternal life to us. But you must receive it by faith. You must call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You must place your faith and trust. You have to go all in. It's not, I'm going to add Good Friday service to my works to try to impress God. No, no, no. Jesus Christ purchased our peace with God. And if you never called upon him for your forgiveness, if you're trusting in your goodness, or you think that his goodness means he wouldn't send anybody to hell, friend, you are under condemnation. And you need to call upon the name of the Lord even before you leave this room and ask for the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can provide because he's the one who died for our sin. He's the one who rose again. He's the one who's delivered us from God's wrath. Colossians chapter 1 says this of Jesus Christ, that pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of His cross by Him, Jesus, to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, and made a minister. We have the purchase of peace with God. Number two, verse two of Romans five says, not only has he purchased our peace, but he has secured for us through his death. Christ's death has secured for us our hope of the glory of God. Our hope, not just of escaping hell, as wonderful as that would be, but our hope of being blessed 
with the very glory of God, being glorified with Christ. See, if you're in Christ today, you don't need to be afraid of death. I'm a little afraid of the pain that might accompany that. But I'm not afraid of death. I don't want to die. I have a wife. I have a son. I have a church. I have a life that I want to serve God with. Screwed up a lot of my 20s and even into my 30s. Wasted a lot of time when I could have been living for the Lord. And I was half living for the Lord. But where I could have done more for the Lord. And I think, Lord, give me more time. I'm not done yet. Give me the more. Give me more. I'm serious. I'm focused now. I'm committed now. Give me more time. But I don't fear death. See, because I know that this, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the hope that I have is that this corruption, this body that has arthritis and needs glasses and is losing its hair and all of these frailties that we experience more and more and more as we get older and older, this corruptible will put on incorruption. This mortality will put on immortality. Every time I have the opportunity, whether it's to speak at or preach or sing or just to attend the funeral service, the celebration of life of a believer in Christ, I remind myself as I look at that coffin or I look at that urn or whatever representation is still there, that this body, yes, even that urn, is going to be empty someday. Because through the power of God that spoke existence into being. When the trumpet sounds, when the shout is, and it's coming, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but it's coming. And whether we're, we're either coming down with him or we're going up to see him. And we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And we have that hope. And the resurrection of Christ could not happen without the death of Christ. And so Paul says, Christian, you need to remember the death of Jesus Christ, what he did, because he walked through death so that you don't have to fear it. Hebrews chapter 2 says that he tasted death for us so that we don't have to be afraid of death anymore. He has secured our hope of the glory of God. And listen, number three, Christ's death has transformed our present suffering into our eternal glory. See, we do suffer. There's no promise in this book. I don't care what huckster on television or on the radio or in the bookstore tells you that God wants you to have your best life now, that God doesn't want you to ever be sick, that God doesn't want you to ever suffer. Listen, we do suffer. Does God sometimes choose to heal? Absolutely. And praise God when he does. Praise God when he does. And some of you have miracle stories that you could tell us of God's healing power in your life. But we will suffer in some way. Listen to what Paul says again, verses 3 and 4. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience, experience and experience, hope and hope maketh not ashamed. 
Friend, when we focus on the cross of Christ, it gives us the strength that we need by the Spirit who lives inside of us. It gives us the strength that we need to face the trials that we have to face. Because as Hebrews 12 says, uh, you guys need to chin up. You have not yet suffered unto death. And you need to focus your eyes on Jesus Christ. And you need to remember how he bore his suffering and why he did it. He did it for you. He did it for you. See, because when we suffer, what do we want to know from God? Why? Why, God? Why am I facing this trial? Why am I going through this suffering? Why am I sick? Why am I financially challenged? Why am I having this relationship issue? Why am I having this issue at work? Why am I going through this tribulation and trial? And what God says is focus on the cross. Because the devil is going to come along and he's going to say that trial is just evidence that God doesn't answer your prayers. That trial is evidence that God doesn't love you. But when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ and we remember his love for us and we remember what he sacrificed for us and we remember the glory that came out of that. God is telling us, he tells us, he, he tells us this throughout the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 1, James chapter 1. Throughout the scriptures we are told, Yes, you are suffering, but as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, listen, what we're going through now is working in us an eternal weight of glory that when you get there and you look back, it's going to seem so insignificant the trial you had to face for the glory that will be revealed in us, not just to us, but in us, that was all made possible by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Endure tribulation by facing your Savior. Focusing, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. And now, guys, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Consider him so that you have the endurance you need to get through the trials that we face because see trials increase our patience patience proves when we are patient it proves to us god's faithfulness to us in our lives and god uses that to work in us an eternal weight of glory and that should increase our joy that's how we can rejoice all the time not rejoice for everything maybe but that's how we learn to rejoice in everything to give thanks in everything because our, our eyes are on what God is going to do in and through that trial. Christ's death has purchased our peace with God, secured our hope of the glory of God, transformed our present suffering into eternal glory. Number four, Christ's death has demonstrated for us the amazing love of God. Don't you ever doubt God's love for you. The cross is screaming how much God loves you. And Paul is saying, your value, your value comes from His love for you, demonstrated on the cross. His love for you is not dependent on how valuable you think you are. That's so critical that we understand that. Because as much as you might love your child, your grandchild, 
you got nothing on the love of God. He loves you infinitely more than you love your own children. And when you begin to just scratch the surface of that, it changes how you worship. It changes how you suffer. It changes how you live your life when you recognize God's great love for you. Paul says we get that understanding through the Holy Spirit who God has poured out for us when we receive Christ. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that if, if you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't really have Christ yet. You haven't really truly received Christ as Savior. Maybe you prayed a prayer. Maybe you, you, when you were a kid, somebody said, repeat after me and presto change and now you're saved. But you never recognized, really truly understood what you were saying. Do you really, do you know that you know that your sins are forgiven? Do you know that you know that you have trusted in Jesus Christ and his death for your sin and his resurrection for your eternal life? Friend, make sure you know. Make sure you know before you leave this room tonight. Our value is based on his love for us, and he loves us so much. The Father loves us so much, he sent his only begotten Son. Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life on Calvary at the place of the skull, shed his blood for us. And that brings us to the fifth thing. Christ's death has already reconciled us to God. We're already reconciled by his blood. Verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And in the old covenant, under the old covenant, the sacrifices had to be repeated over and over and over and over because they were just pictures, Hebrews says. They were just shadows of Messiah and so they had their pictures, but the pictures were just covering their sin. And God, in his great mercy, was allowing those sacrifices of animals to cover sin. But now the once for all sacrifice has come and we don't need the models anymore. We don't need the shadows. We don't need the pictures because we have the light of the once for all sacrifice. And now God's forgiveness doesn't just cover our sin. It removes it as far as the east is from the west, and reconciles us to God by His blood. We don't have to fear God's wrath anymore. You don't have to fear God's wrath. You have eternal life. And let me just share two more truths with you as we close, because I don't want to just talk about Christ's death tonight. Yes, this is a communion service. Yes, this is a Good Friday service, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming, and so let's not leave Christ in the grave tonight. Listen to what Paul says in verse 10. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more. Do you understand that? Much more. God loved you so much when you were an enemy that Jesus Christ died for you. And if you have received Him by faith, if you've called upon Him, if you've confessed your sin and you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you and you are trusting in Him and in Him alone for your forgiveness based on his death and his resurrection, you have eternal life. You think God loves you less now? You think that the life of Christ has less power in your life now than the love of Christ demonstrated on the cross? If when we were, 
we were reconciled to God by the death of his son when we were enemies. Look, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received. You have received. If you are a Christian here tonight, if you are a child of God, you have been saved. You are already reconciled. Stop trying to earn it. We don't obey to keep it. We obey because we have been transformed. We obey because He is our Father. We obey because we have the Holy Spirit. We obey because Jesus Christ, our Savior, is our Lord and King and Master. We don't obey because we're trying to earn what cannot ever be earned. We earn because of our gratitude, because of our worship. Christ's resurrection has secured our eternity. Eternal life begins the moment you're saved. It's the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. We have everlasting life. If you are saved, you have everlasting life. First John tells us, John, if you want a commentary on the Gospel of John, may I recommend the epistles of John. They're great commentaries on the Gospel of John. And the Apostle John says in, in 1 John 5, listen, I'm writing these things to you guys so that you know that you know that you already have eternal life, that you're already saved, that you already, if you are saved, you are saved with eternal life. And that means, lastly, Christ's resurrection has enabled us to experience true joy in God. This is a solemn service tonight. This is serious what we're doing tonight as we prepare our hearts for communion. And in just a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. It's a serious thing that we're doing tonight. But friend, even in the solemnness, even with the seriousness, this is a celebration. This is a celebration because we have eternal life and forgiveness of sins in Him. And that should inspire us to joy. And again, when we are going through trials, when we're going through tribulations, and we all do different trials, different times, different seasons of life, focus on the love of God displayed on a bloody cross. And remember that He is alive today. And that you have eternal life in Him. And if that doesn't create joy in you, you come talk to me, okay? And we'll make sure that you know that you know that you have eternal life. Would you stand as we prepare our hearts for the invitation? God, we thank you for your mercy and grace. God, behold what manner, what foreign love you have bestowed upon us, Father, that you have called us your children. And we are your children today because of what Jesus has done for us. Father, if there's somebody here tonight, they're not your child yet. God, I pray right now at the invitation, God, that they would take this opportunity to come forward to make a statement, God, that they recognize they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And they want to know that they are sure they know from God's Word that they've been forgiven of their sins by calling out to you, that they are trusting in your death and resurrection and they can have the eternal life and forgiveness that we're celebrating tonight. God, if there's other needs, we pray that your spirit be moving as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a need, the altar is open. Would you sing with us?
as we prepare our hearts for communion. When I survey the observe communion, I want to just remind you very quickly of why we do what we do. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread. And one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. And then he says, verse 19, what say I then that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and of the table of devils do we provoke the lord to jealousy are we stronger than he and in chapter 11 paul says verse 17 now in this that i declare unto you i praise you not that ye come together not for the better but for the worse for first of all when ye come together in the church i hear that there be divisions among you and i partly believe it for there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you when ye Come together, therefore, into one place. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before his 
uh, before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Of me, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or, or condemnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. And many sleep, many are even dead because of this. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest I will set in order when I come. We do communion. We observe communion. We gather together at the Lord's table for five primary reasons that we've read in these verses. Number one, to unite. To unite. We are coming together tonight corporately and equally. We are observing communion. The word communion is koinonia. It means what is shared in common as the basis of fellowship. We are here tonight not by our callings as pastors or deacons or Sunday school teachers or ushers or trustees or male, female, Greek, Hebrew, slave-free. We're not here with any of those titles. We're here. The ground is equal at the foot of the cross. We're here as brothers and sisters tonight, completely equal as we gather together in, the, in communion the Lord's table is a reminder of that. None of us are more important to God. God doesn't have, a, doesn't have a favorite child. Okay, He has his only begotten son. But those of us who are adopted into the family of God, he doesn't have his favorites. We are all loved by God. So we gather to unite, but we also gather to separate, as we read in chapter 10. That means that we observe the Lord's table exclusively. And we read these warnings from Paul tonight that many in this church, many people, were actually physically sick and had illnesses because of their spirit in communion. And so if you are here tonight and there is unconfessed, none, none of us are sinless, none of us are perfect, but if there's an area of rebellion in your life, an area that the spirit has been convicting you and you have just refused to yield, I plead with you, just watch tonight. Use this time to observe. Use this time to get right with God. Don't partake because of what somebody else might think. Well, ooh, they didn't take the cup. They didn't take the bread. Far better to offend a brother or sister in Christ 
than to offend the Holy Spirit. So we separate tonight. Number three, we remember. We remember. That means we observe the Lord's table ceremonially. That we do this solemnly. We get serious at this time. And so we do this to remember what it is that Jesus did when he allowed himself. No one took his life from him. He laid his life down for you and for me. And he took the beatings and the scoffing and the mockery and the nails and the pain of the excruciating pain of every single breath because of his great love for us. And so we do this with ceremonial seriousness. Number four, we do it to proclaim. We do it to proclaim. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not a believer. Maybe you're watching tonight and this is, you say, this isn't where I go to church. This isn't how we do it. I just want you to understand that tonight is about a picture. We're not bestowing any special grace on anybody tonight. There's nothing supernatural in these elements. These are pictures. They're important pictures, but they're just pictures. These are visuals that we use to proclaim his death. And, and listen, Paul says, until he comes. So we do this visually, but we also do this expectantly. We do this remembering what he did. But Paul says every time you observe communion, remember, no communion in heaven. No Lord's table in heaven. We do this just until he comes back for his church. And so the last reason that we do this, and I've seen this so powerful in my own life, if you're here tonight and there's an area that you're struggling with, please use this time to examine yourself. To ask the Holy Spirit, should I be taking this tonight? Holy Spirit, do you want me to watch or do you want me to participate? Is there something in my life that I need to yield to you? We want to make sure that not only are we already saved, because there's nothing salvific, there's no saving power in this, but that we are surrendered to the Lord. And so when we take the bread, we are remembering and proclaiming His body broken. When we take the cup, we are remembering and proclaiming His blood that was shed for us, the blood of the new covenant. And we do this again until He comes. And so right now, if you haven't already, I would just ask you um, carefully to take your cup. There is a... Uh, uh, purple film at the very top. You want to separate the purple film from the silver tab, okay? That will release the symbol of his body. And then if you continue to pull up the silver tab, of course, that will uh, open up the cup. So please be careful as you do that. Just go ahead and, and get both of those ready as we prepare to observe the Lord's table together. I'm just going to ask you as Karen plays just for a moment. You've heard what the Apostle Paul has told us in the Word. Just take some time to examine yourself tonight as we focus on what it is that Jesus has done for us and the pictures that we're using tonight.
he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Again, just ask you to meditate for a few moments, you and the Holy Spirit, as we think about the blood of the new covenant shed from the body of Jesus Christ on that cross. same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the lord's death till he come father again what an awesome and mighty god you are that you would show your love show your power in an empty tomb. We love you and we praise you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we dismiss tonight, we have uh, just two more songs that we want to sing. Just lift your heart as you learn this song tonight to the Lord. As you learn the music, focus on the words. Lift them in prayer to your heart, from your heart to the Lord. Over every broken place 
Scriptures tell us on that very first Lord's Supper that after they had sung a hymn, they went out. Why don't you stand as we close with this hymn together tonight? Let's lift our voices together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like Father, we praise you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we go out tonight remembering what it is that he has done for us. And God, what he continues to do for us as our great high priest and what he is going to do for us, 
when he comes back again to get us. Father, we love and praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Hope that, that you're all able to come back with us on Resurrection Sunday and worship with us Sunday morning. You are dismissed. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.